heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we are live, guys. Welcome to episode 65 of YWC Football Talk. Uh, as you guys can see, Joe Provost with me, JP3, uh, otherwise known, is with me. Um, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast this week, but Mr. Justin James Watt of Wisconsin decided to become a free agent 12 hours after I did last week's. But, uh, Joe, man, welcome to the show. How are we feeling today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Did you guys get a lot of the same snow that we got? Yeah, we did. It was a. Uh, Bit of a hectic drive to work this morning, if you will. It's clear now, but a lot of the uh, side streets still aren't plowed, so we're just waiting for that to be done. But the highways and stuff are pretty, pretty dry, dry by now, if you will. Yeah, yeah, we've been going through it for like the last week now. It's been it's been pretty crazy, but hey, it's winter in the Midwest. <laughs> At least we're not like Texas, where it's just like, oh my god, what's this stuff on the ground? <laughs> Like, I just love that with Texas, though, where it's just like all of a sudden, like, you have two Dallas Stars games getting canceled because they lost power with everything going on. Oh, I know. Yeah, so um, might as well start off with, obviously, uh, there's a Tom Brady stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, when I lived in Oklahoma for a while, like, we were... Um, what I was going to say was, uh, I think, so we do... Pardon, folks, if there's a bit of a lag, but it's no big deal. Okay, he is gone from the stream. So, hey, hey, guys, it's me. Uh, I'm going to try to get him back in at some point, but we're going to talk uh, J.J. Watt. We're going to talk a little bit of, like, off-season moves and whatnot. Uh, we'll try to figure everything out. We're just having some technical issues with Joe right now, so just stand by for that. But you got me for now, so if you want to ask any questions, go right ahead. Just ask questions as I'm going to reposition the camera. Um, and, hey, look, my microphone. Um, but here's the biggest thing with this. Like I said last week, I wanted to take a break. I wanted to, like, clear the air, if you will, clear my head. I know I talk about that a lot, but 12 hours after Phil and I were done doing this live stream, Justin James Watt decides, hey, I'm going to become a free agent in about a month from now. So he got a head start on free agency ahead of everyone else. And I was like, man, I got to do a podcast as soon as I found out that news. Why? Because uh, JJ Watt, an integral part of the uh, Houston Texans fabric, decides, you know what? I'm going to get out before anything else gets worse. Um, you also have everything to with... Um, with him because he realizes where the team's headed and he's a beloved son of Houston and to do him wrong and to do him dirty, I think would be really bad. So we're actually want to give kudos and props to the Texans organization as a whole for like getting rid of, not getting rid of him, but allowing him to do what he wants. Cause everyone says like, Oh, he's got like one good year left. Um, got one good year left. I think, so I think he has a few years left. I don't think he signs for the same money he was making. He was making, uh, I think 16 and a half. Uh, Randy, I'll ask that in a second. I'm waiting for Joe to get back before we have teams. But I did tweet Browns is one of the teams I was considering. Um, but the thing with Watt, though, is it's a win-win for both because Watt gets to go chase a championship. And then uh, what's the other magical words? Oh, yes. Um, sorry, guys. I'm just trying to deal with the technical issues and everything like that. Oh, hey, he is. Okay, do we have him back? Oh, is he is back. You're back. You, your pitcher looks better than ever. Uh but you yeah, know, you look like you look better now. Like before, it was like grainy and stuff, and dark. Now it's nice and bright. Yeah, as you can see, I, guys. I don't know what was happening. So eh, it's all good. The only thing I realized too is you and I could have been matching watch buddies tonight on the show, but my Apple Watch is over there, and I'm not a bad host. I'm not going to like yeah. get up and leave just so that. But um, 
I was just talking about the whole Watt situation first, just to start off, because that's the big thing. And part of me thinks, you know what, it's actually the Texans doing good just because they're letting him go get his championship. And also, too, they're saving money on the cap. So I think it's a win-win for both the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt as a whole. Yeah. um, The only thing that I think is kind of weird about that situation is you see a lot of people saying, like, okay, well, why can't they just do the same with Deshaun Watson? Um, obviously values are way different, mm-hmm. but, you know, still kind of, it's not completely apples and oranges, but it is, it is a little bit different. Um, and I think that, you know, they're trying to save face a little bit because I mean, after the love Watson situation, I mean, how many people are going to be like, Oh yeah, like I'm dying to go there. A hundred percent. And also too, um, he's one year left at, I think 16 and a half or so. So it's not like the cap hit for him is terrible or not even terrible, but it's not like it's, you know what the Houston Texans wasting like 20 million or like what Deshaun case said, he's locked in for like 160. So that's why they got to find a dance partner for him. Meanwhile, with JJ, it's like, you know what? You're in the last year. You go now, we don't have to pay you anything and you get to go chase a championship. Exactly. And you know, they're obviously going through a rebuild. So it only makes sense. Um, I was kind of surprised that they weren't able to find a trade partner per se with him and at least get something back. But, you know, it is what it is. I think they made the right call there and they'll be remembered for that, you know, come free agency a little bit. As long as, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation doesn't get any uglier than it already kind of is. Exactly. Because that's the biggest thing too here where this is kind of like the parting of like a bad rainstorm. I'm actually going to go back to what this one before. This is better. Um, with the whole thing with Watson, though, I feel like this is kind of like the parting of like a, a thunderstorm. Like when you have that sunny period for like a little bit, but then it just goes right back to thunder and lightning and all that stuff. It's kind of like that sunny break. But then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you have this. Hey, yeah, you're doing J.J. Watt good. But then it's like, what about Watson? Like why was – I also do agree with you, though, when you said that. I think they did try to find a trading partner, but then it's them probably realizing we're going to have to eat some of his contract, which, you know what, if we release him now, we save $16 million and he gets to go out somewhere else. Yeah, and I think teams too, I mean, you know, Watt, you know, JJ Watts obviously one of the guys that, you know, he's got a lot of a uh, lot of miles on him. And I feel like I've been saying that a lot about some guys lately, but uh, you know, I think some teams probably felt comfortable like, hey, we don't have to give up assets. We know that hey, in all reality, they're probably going to end up cutting him and, you know, the teams that are interested probably felt confident enough that you know, they can make a strong play for him. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure Watt kind of, you know, came out and said, well, you know, I really would like to be cut so I can choose my destination. Yeah, because he's like, if when you look back at it, even though they've only been in the league for 20 years, he's by far the best Texan in the history of that organization. Like, just stats-wise, when healthy, he's deep boy. Not like, like he's the winner, but he's always in that conversation. Like, and now there's so many places where he can go and stuff and be a contender. And like, some people think, oh, hey, he may go here. But then you got to look at the cap situation, then you have other things to look at. So it's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah, do you do you uh, do you have any predictions? Uh, Randy said one of them in the comments uh, to the Browns. I honestly think, and this caught some uh, Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland.com posted an article about this today saying that there's a very strong possibility that he goes there. Like, imagine a defensive edge pairing of him and Miles Garrett. That's just because Cleveland needs defense. Like, you, you're having a, I believe Olivier Vernon's coming back or he's a free agent, but then. You have Garrett locked up to that long-term deal. You get him in there. I think Cleveland's a good fit. I think Green Bay is also a good fit. Um, I love everyone saying Pittsburgh just to go play with his brothers, but Pittsburgh does not have the cap, and also I don't think they're exactly championship pedigree. Like, it's not 2005. Like, you know where 
they uh, played the Patriots in that year. They went 15-1, and one, made it to the AFC Championship game, but then lost. I still think there's a little bit of a – and also, too, with Pittsburgh, it's a cap situation. Um, one thing I want to touch on is everyone – I saw Phil and I think a few other people saying this, like, oh, he's going to go to Tampa. I'm like, yeah, sure, everyone, everyone loves to say that, but, like, Tampa has other needs when it comes to who they need to pay. Yeah, I mean – Tampa's got their work cut out for them, and it wouldn't be—it wouldn't surprise me if you see some of the veterans who are pretty well off um, kind of take a pay cut or restructure their salary to try and retain everybody. Um, but yeah. yeah, they, you know, they had a lot of guys that were on kind of like prove it type deals. I mean, Antonio Brown, uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, those kind of guys. So um, Godwin's going to be a key. Um, key guy I think to get back wide receivers I think you can replace but they've just developed so much chemistry you would hate to see that kind of go to waste yeah like with Tampa like just moving on there quickly um one other team I do have in mind for Watt is um there was one that came up which was Buffalo which I don't want for obvious reasons but Green Bay was another one that came up to me which I think you know what there's a very strong possibility he goes there like they said good Wisconsin boy went to Wisconsin Big Ten school like he watched Packers practices through the gates and everything like for training camp. And yeah. So where do you like, that's what I want to ask you. Where do you see Watt going? I'm yeah. You know, Pittsburgh can make it work. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's just like you mentioned already. It's, you know, all about the salary cap green Bay, you know, bringing in a new defensive coordinator. I think, you know, that I think, you know, they're going to try to appease Rodgers after, you know, what all went down. And even though that's a defensive acquisition, it, it would make that team better. And there's a lot of the, – Green Bay has a lot of young talent on that defense that I yeah. think could benefit from, um, you know, a J.J. Watt coming in. Even if he's, you know, a shell of what he was, you know, just his leadership. He's a locker room guy. He's going to get the team motivated before games. Uh, like, you know, it just – that would be a good fit. Not one I want to see as a Lions fan, but – yeah, they're not going anywhere anyways anytime soon. So, Like you and me both, it's like how I don't want to see JJ on Buffalo. You don't want to see him on Green Bay. Personally, though, I do think I would not be shocked if it's the Cleveland Browns where he ends up, though. Like for even to like how we were saying Tampa and even Kansas City, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to go to these teams because he's guaranteed to win. It's like, like, do those do those teams really want to pay him? But then I see someone like Cleveland who, you know what, up and coming team has championship potential before everyone gets at me, which is so funny to say, because three years ago, they were the laughing stock of the league. Now they're, look, they were this close to make it to the AFC Championship game this year. So Cleveland's a city, honestly, to look out for in this whole situation. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people sleep on Cleveland. And I mean, I know that they've got, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the talk around Cleveland was, you know, the, the egos in the locker room, you know, Odell Beckham, Baker, all that kind of thing. But, I don't know. They're talented. I think they're going to be there until somebody knocks them off. You know, I, I like them better than the Ravens going into next year. The Ravens aren't even sure long-term on Lamar Jackson. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I think that'd be a savvy hire or a savvy signing if they could acquire JJ Watt in free agency. Uh, it's one of those moves where really it can like solidify you as a contender. If you go out and get them kind of like what we saw with, uh, DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. And that was another one, too. I don't think you saw this, but Hop, Dia Hop posts on Instagram today just a little uh, nice little blurb about, hey, buddy, you want to come Want to come to the desert? Want to come Want to play with us? Because even there, too, like, like Arizona is a team who has a really good defensive back set. They've got some good linebackers, but then they need help on the defensive line. So him with, like, Isaiah Simmons and, Chan- and a healthy Chandler Jones, whoo. 
Yeah, I feel like Arizona is kind of one of those teams that gets forgotten about quite a bit too. Um, you know, just it's something about those West Coast teams. But like the Cardinals, I mean, you know, Kyler, another year under his belt, you should expect a big leap from him. Um, full year with DeAndre Hopkins under his belt as well. Um, that's a young team. And that would also be a great fit. And, you know, they need help on defense. That's really, really where they need it. Yeah, because they have Vance Joseph, who honestly he's one of those guys, great defensive coordinator, not so good head coach as we saw with Denver. So there's a multitude of fits because honestly, like this free agent, like most times the free agency, yeah, it's always exciting. But this year there's just so many big names where you don't know where they're going to end up. That free agency is just going to be so exciting. And like literally a month tomorrow, St. Patrick's Day, we're finding out where everyone's going to be going. Not everyone, but like a good majority, if you will. Yeah, I think just on paper, this is shaping up to be one of the crazier NFL off seasons in recent memory. And that's not even including the draft, which is, you know, it's got some what people think are going to be generational talents, you know, like a Trevor Lawrence, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm uh, I love the off season. Uh, typical Lions fan. Love the off season more than I love the in season. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, because that's the other thing, too, like where. The NF, unlike other sports, like the say for example, like the NHL, like they have their offs, like in a normal year, they have their season, the Cup final, and then the drafts, like a few about a week or so after that, and then free agency, and then they kind of go quiet for about six weeks or so. Meanwhile, football, the only quiet times you really get are like that period after the draft, and then like that June, July-ish time, like where you hear some stuff, but you don't hear a whole lot of stuff up until training camp, unless like something big happens, like last year with. Mahomes getting his extension or Jamal Adams getting traded right before training camp. Yeah. And you kind of find out a lot, like there's usually those kind of surprise cuts during, you know, mini camp, you know, teams are, you know, in a salary crunch and, you know, guys that you would never dream of all of a sudden get cut and, you know, they may be willing to restructure. They may not be. And it makes for, you know, really interesting moves. And then you start to see the domino effect because, you know, another team cut somebody, to go and get that guy that they think is an upgrade. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, you know, I this year there's just been so much movement and I don't I don't see it stopping. I think it's going to be like a really juicy NFL offseason. And also to the whole fact of the salary cap number not exactly being known, you're going to see some big names I feel like that are going to get cut this offseason where someone's just going to get cut out of the blue and then you're going to see like a, that's where I think a team like a Tampa Bay or a Kansas City swaps in and gets them someone like from a team you know who's a little bit cap crunch if you will even though it sounds kind of, it sounds funny but you know what that's the reality uh, unless the uh the new broadcast deals get done because a lot of people don't realize how much money that could generate into the league that's hundreds of billions of dollars on the line so those broadcast deals get done the salary cap number will go up if not i think it hovers around that 180 mark yeah definitely yeah because even too if you look at it like there's so much potential with the uh broadcast deals this year because i it's weird. I know ESPN's Monday Night Football is up at the end of this year, but then everyone else is 2022. So we'll see what happens. But we all know that ESPN's really going to be pushing. I even think they want to get back on the Super Bowl picture because for a while it was ABC before NBC Sunday Night Football took over. Yeah, yeah, that's what – and, you know, I remember that. And another thing to watch – do you know if they renewed, like, the Amazon Prime for – I know that was in limbo – I believe so. I know Thursday Night Football going into this year is going to be... Actually, I have a whole thing I can look up. I'm just going to say it right now and get your thoughts because it was on here. Let's see. Uh, 
This will be the eighth year under the current broadcast uh, broadcast contracts with CBS, ESPN, Fox, and NBC. This includes cross-flexing, cross which switches games between Fox and uh, CBS, because as we know, AFC, CBS, NFC, Fox. Um, and then regardless of this, NBC will still air Sunday Night Football and the, uh, the kickoff game and Thursday Night Thanksgiving, which didn't happen this year, obviously, because of COVID. Um, and then Monday Night Football will air on ESPN and select games on ABC. Then the Pro Bowl, which no one really cares about. Uh, the only thing it says here is that uh, NB, uh, Thursday Night Football is NFL Network, but will simulcast onto Fox. Um, and the best thing about this is that NBC will have the Super Bowl this year. They were supposed to host this year's Super Bowl, but because this coming year is an Olympic year, I think they really want to like tie the two together, if you will. And then uh, ESPN, like I said, ESPN's Monday Night Football contract expires at the end of this year, and the CBS, Fox, and NBC contracts expire at the end of 2022. But the NFL may begin negotiations on all new broadcast deals at the same time. So that's where I say a lot of money's on the line with the uh, broadcast contracts because, look, you have everything. As for Amazon Prime, I don't know. And then also, too, another one to watch out for is the, Nickel- the Nickelodeon, which brought in 2 million views for that Saints-Bears game, which I wouldn't be shocked if you see a couple games airing on Nickelodeon this coming season. Yeah, they definitely promoted that pretty hard. And then even, like, I don't know, you play Madden at all? At all? Mm-hmm. They they've been plugging in like the Nickelodeon version as like a demo to play on like Madden. So yeah, they're they're definitely like brewing something up there, and I think that they're trying to capture that younger audience. And I can you know it seems like a little bit gimmicky, but I understand the motive behind it for sure. Exactly, because look, if you can get that audience of those like. A uh, perfect example, I was going to say if you can get the younger audience, but an example, I don't know if you saw this, but Kurt Warner has a son. I think he's in his like th- early 30s, but he, like, he's not fully functioning. I don't know if it's autism or if he just had like a lot of brain damage as a kid, but I'm not saying anything bad. Or he's blind, I know that, but he also has some um, developmental disabilities. Not a knock against him, but he posted this thing saying how his son never watched football, but they watched the Nickelodeon game because he loves Nickelodeon. So even stuff like that, to cap- I'm not saying, like, obviously, I'm not trying to sound negative. If, anyone sa- if I sound like that, I apologize. But if you can capture audiences of people who would never watch a football game in their life, but then you see a kid or someone in that case, hey, look, there's Nickelodeon, like there's SpongeBob, there's this, it's stuff they can relate to. It's just a whole other avenue where the NFL can go down to get this whole other audience. But I just want to bring the Kurt Warner thing up because honestly, it's one of those like sentimental stories that you don't think about when the Nickelodeon thing first airs, but when it, you actually see proof of it, it's, it's it was a pretty cool scene to see and it kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, that's kind of marketing 101, right? You you go for the heartstrings and, you know, the people will follow. And that's, I mean, the NFL, the NFL knows what it's doing. Um, I, I will say I disagree with the thought of going to like a 17-game season. I don't think that it needs to be extended at all. But that's kind of a different topic. But, yeah, I mean, the NFL is the NFL. I mean, they know what they're doing. You know what? If they just eliminate the preseason of three games and then they say, hey, we're going to replace this. The only thing is, though, you're going to be extending the season further because obviously if you started a week earlier, you're starting Labor Day weekend, which you're like, I remember the NFL, I believe, used to do that back in the day. But you're if you start Labor Day weekend, you're asking to lose ratings because you're like, I'd rather be at a lake on Labor Day weekend or just chilling. Like, I'm not thinking about football, although fantasy drafts do happen at that time. So we'll see what happens. I'll only be in favor of a 17th game. If they do this, where you have more interconference actions, you're not waiting every four years. Like, say, say for example, Detroit can play like 
let's say Las Vegas this year, for example. Like if you get stuff like that, if it's just like another game against like a, a team in your conference, no. But if you do more interconference flexing, I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. And to that Labor Day weekend point, I mean, that's kind of, it depends on how the schedule or the, how the year kind of falls, but that's typically, um, or it has been about 50-50, uh, the start of college football. And I know that they usually take advantage of having like two or three Sunday games, and then they even run a Monday night game. That's usually pretty like, you know, it's, they try to plug in at least like one ranked team, if not two. Yeah, I believe this year it's going to be the U playing Alabama and Atlanta. Big Rat, who was on this podcast before, uh, he said that that that's one of the big games opening weekend is, uh, like I said, Miami University against uh, Alabama. Miami should probably get their floor wiped, but you know what? They have to bring the big teams in for ratings. So if the NFL interferes with that, that's why, too, the NFL doesn't do their Saturday games until late in the year when it's pretty much them going up against, like, the whatever bowl games. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they kind of piggyback off each other a little bit, obviously, um college football yields to the nfl no matter what but um it it seems to be kind of you know it's mutually beneficial right because i mean if you it makes no sense for them to compete they want they want eyes on college football because that creates a more educated fan base on who's coming in um not that that's you know the major concern here but it's definitely you know they definitely won't compete against each other i know that Oh, 100%. That's the one big thing to look at all this, too, is with college, like, especially to the college football market, because guess what? It opens up so many people's eyes to, hey, who's coming in the draft? Like, what players to watch out for, especially if you're on those teams? No offense here, but if you're in that Detroit Lions situation where, you know what, you know your team's not going to be good, you're probably going to be picking in the top five for 2022. So you get to already have a look at what prospects potentially your teams could be getting for the next year. Yeah, definitely. And I think that they just dropped, not the formal schedule, but they dropped the opponents within like the last, like, what, week or so? Or has that been out for a minute? For uh, who's playing, for the NFL or for college? Uh, NFL. Uh, yeah, like I can already tell you who's playing who for uh, New England. I don't know Detroit's schedule, but I'll take a look at it right now. Kind of peaked, you kind of piqued my curiosity there, which is always a good thing. Uh, let's see here. Got to find it. Oh, here we go, Detroit Lions. Uh, their 2021 opponents, obviously, they're visiting the NFC North six times, or five times, excuse me. Or, no, two, four, six. Never mind, six games. Uh, you guys play host to Arizona and San Fran. You go to Seattle and L.A. Uh, you play Philly at home. You go to Atlanta. Baltimore and Cincinnati come to you, and you guys go to Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I know uh... – they're probably their only chance at a primetime game would be at LA. Um, just that one jumps out for very obvious reasons. Um, on top of that, you know, the West coast, uh, it's easier for them to fly, you know, to, to swing that. They like a lot of those West coast teams in the later slot. Uh, so I could see that being a primetime game. If not, it'll absolutely be like a four o'clocker for sure. Eastern. I think that will I think that one uh, Detroit LA game could potentially be Monday Night Football. Like I can't, I I always, I kind of hate it when. Just give me a sec. Um, I hate it when they kind of sewer teams where they get Thursday night. We saw it a few years ago where the Vikings played a Thursday nighter against the Rams out in LA. So when you get situations like that, like you don't really want to screw over anyone because also like that could be a Sunday nighter. But I feel like it would be a Sunday nighter if it was the opposite way around. Like where if it was LA coming into Detroit, just the whole Stafford homecoming, but. Since it's Stafford and the Lions, Stafford against the Lions in LA, that's where I feel like it'll probably be Monday Night Football as opposed to Thursday or or a Sunday Nighter. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of weird, but it almost feels like too good to be a Thursday. And I get it. Like, I wish we had some better, like, Thursday night games. And, but I get it at the same time because they know it could be, it could be the Lions versus, God, who else was awful this year? The Dolphins. Cincinnati? Or Jackson, well, Jacksonville. Like, who, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, they know they can plug any teams in there. People are going to tune in. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I remember the Jets Broncos game back in October. I was like, oh man, why am I going to watch this? And I tune in and it ends up being a good game. Meanwhile, Chiefs Ravens was that Monday night and everyone thought this is going to be a great game. But then, uh, Kansas, I'm just going to step out of frame for a second. Um, but then, uh, the Baltimore Kansas City ended up being kind of a dud. So it's always those games that like you don't expect to be good, kind of like exceed your expectations, which is never a bad thing in the NFL. But also this year too, like I like because also it, this has to do with a few things. One is fantasy football. Two is because of this podcast is the reason why I was watching more and more football. And even too now we know with us being wrestling fans, I will choose a crappy Monday night football game over wrestling when that time of the year comes. Yeah, it's sadly it's not even close anymore. <laughs> like not even close. No, not at all. Like, when I just look at it, I'm just like, Monday Night Raw or Bears-Rams, for example. Let's just throw that one out there. I'm like, Bears-Rams. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, care. The... I don't care if I don't have any – yeah, I don't care if I have any Bear or Ram on my fantasy team. Uh, there's a 99% chance, sadly, which, I mean, it used to be the complete opposite. But, yeah, I, it's, it's not even close. I was the same too because a lot of the times what I would do is I would pick I would only pick Monday Night Football over wrestling when it was like the Patriots playing or even to on a Sunday night when it was like a pay per view I'd watch it just the next day obviously now with the network you're able to do that but football will always win now over wrestling just because that time of year especially too is when wrestling's not really at its peak if you will like now they're starting to get into it obviously with WrestleMania season brewing but when there's nothing involved with wrestling it's just I'm like why bother I could spend three hours bored watching wrestling or I could watch a football game and be somewhat entertained. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> See, we both agree here, guys. That's what we do. Um, but the biggest thing with this whole like broadcast scheduling, too, is they always try to find out who's like, like who to schedule because obviously they want to be nice and give everyone a primetime game. But then there's some teams where I look at it, I'm like, you don't deserve primetime. That's why we always get like certain games. Like I remember Miami Jacksonville that you're going into the year. You're like, why is this on primetime? Like, and the fact too, it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling it, which I'm just like, guys, come on. But um. One other thing with that schedule of teams, uh, if they were playing in Detroit, I think it would be a great Thanksgiving matchup, and that is um, Detroit versus uh, Pittsburgh. But I just remembered, I believe it's going to be Fox doing the Thanksgiving game in Detroit. So we'll see what happens. You could do the Eagles, though, as like an old-school rival, or go the traditional crappy route and just do Lions and Bears, because I feel like that's been Thanksgiving like every, like every other year or every year when it's not an AFC team going into Detroit. Yeah, and, well, even going back to, like, when I was younger, there was at least, like, a few, like, Lions-Packers games that fell on Thanksgiving, too. So, yeah, I mean, that one's always kind of weird. The Texans have been, like, two out of the last five randomly, so they're not afraid to plug in an AFC team and then switch it over to CBS. But, you know, you can always count on, like, you know, of course, like Washington football or Dallas, uh, just the staples. The one I was already looking ahead to the schedules for this year too, and the one that I could see Dallas doing is they're playing Vegas at home this year, so I could see that being uh, the Thanksgiving matchup. Even though both teams may be mediocre, that's just the for the classic nostalgia feel for Thanksgiving, if you will. Yeah, I could definitely see that, and you know, there are two teams that 
you know, I think mediocre is probably a decent word, but I think both teams at the same time have pretty, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they're 11 and five, 10 and six caliber at the same time. You know what, for Vegas, like, that's, that's one thing I want to transition into because you see a lot of trade rumors with this team. And uh, I want to talk, let's talk, yeah, you know what, let's talk Vegas for a bit because Dallas, I think it all lot depends on how they improve their defense. Because I said this before where that team's got a good offense, but their defense is terrible. But Las Vegas, I saw a fact actually tweeted out by Gil Brandt, if you believe it or not. He said that for the Raiders, and if you're a Raiders fan, you plug your ears. 2004, 2005, 2007. They drafted just I, – I, I forget who was 04. I forget who was 05, but 07 was Jamarcus Russell. The next th- – the, the, those three years, the next pick is someone who's either going into Canton or will go into Canton when they retire. 04, the pick after was Larry Fitzgerald. 05, the pick after was Aaron Rodgers. 2007, the pick after them was Calvin Johnson. So uh, that's a little bit of a painful pill to swallow if you're a Raider fan. It's like the, the three guys – like I know Jamarcus Russell's the only one I remember – but the fact that all three of those guys who are all first ballot Hall of Famers went after you, that's got to hurt. Yeah, and the Lions actually didn't botch that pick. It just fell into their lap. Only exactly. because that just... happened. Don't get it twisted. If uh, they would have taken Calvin, the Lions would have been all about Jamarcus Russell. Well, you know what? That's a bridge you never had to cross. So don't even like, but even to Jamarcus Russell is like this <laughs> highly touted prospect and everything. And then he just got to the league and he got complacent. And he got lazy. So like, there was potential there, but that's what happens a lot of the times with the NFL. Like, the guys get there, and it's like, oh, yeah, look, everything's guaranteed. But in reality, nothing's guaranteed when you're an NFL player. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like a similar comp is almost like a Dwayne Haskins a little bit. Yeah. Or even, like, he didn't go as high, but it, um, you know, Cardell Jones, when he had his run with Ohio State, and, you know, teams kind of, like, all of a sudden he went from, like, undrafted, unknown to, like, okay, like, we're putting him on our board and he's like a top, you know, going in the top three rounds. So I think, you know, there's kind of a stigma there for a while where teams kind of like, we're like, okay, we need to see more than just some guy go on a run where he's hot for four or five games. Exactly. That's what the whole big thing with Justin Fields is this year, because if, before we go back to the Raider talk, I just want to say this with Fields, because for all the good he did and got his team to the national championship, like you got to remember, he had the bad game against Indiana and the bad game against Northwestern, which besides Clemson and Alabama, those were the two best opponents that they played. Obviously, you steamroll the easy competition, but it's when the competition level gets beefed up to the capabilities of, hey, you know what, they're going to give you trouble. you got to put up or shut up, and they kind of cowered against Indiana. like They had the big lead, but they almost blew it, and then Northwestern, it took them all to wake up. So that's just something for NFL scouts to be a little wary about. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, I, before we get back to the Raider talk again, um, you know, I know teams are making a big deal of uh, his name escapes me at the moment, but the fact that he wasn't a team captain, um, kind of making like it's almost like draft day come to life. Like I don't know, like there's a there's a lot to that kind of stuff. I think, but at the same time, I think sometimes it's definitely like overblown. Was the only question though. Or Zach, Wilson. Question with Justin. Zach Wilson, I think. Yeah. yeah, because the big question with Zach Wilson was, um, did anybody go to his uh, 21st birthday party, which was just a joke from the movie <laughs> Draft Day with Bo Callahan, which I I saw it on Twitter the other day, and I just, I gotta watch that movie before the draft, man, that's such an awesome movie, but I just saw people saying that was Zach Wilson, where it's the same thing with Fields, too, where it's like, hey, he's a good player on the field, but how is he off the field? Because not a lot of people realize how much importance there is to off-field chemistry. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of not to, like, 
toot the horn that everybody's probably so tired of, but I think that just is another reason why, like, you know, Tom Brady is so great. Like, you know, comes to a new place, limited, limited practice time before the season. You know, you could tell kind of early on that they weren't quite gelled, um, but that came with time and leadership. And that, like, that's just what a quarterback has to be in this league. You have to be able to um, develop chemistry. You have, and you've got to make everybody around you better. And, you know, he's obviously set the bar super high, but if you, you know, it's just, you, if you can strive to be that, you can still come up short and still do really, really well. Um, you know, the, anybody that's played with Matt Stafford will tell you the same thing. Um, you know, he makes people around him better. He's a great locker room guy, great leader, you know, just didn't work out in Detroit for very obvious reasons. Exactly. Now he's got a chance to succeed, but, um, I just wanted to bring up Vegas quickly because that's a team where you're starting to hear a lot of rumors about quarterback. Like, oh, is it not a good time to go trade Derek Carr when Derek Carr's coming off a career year? So, like, for as much – I'm not a guy on here who's a big – I'm not a big Derek Carr guy. Like, I like him. I respect his game, but I don't think he's, like, this – like, he's not obviously, like, the greatest quarterback in the league that right now that's Patrick. But with Vegas, I feel like they're in such that weird – like, you know when you're in a relationship with a girl, but, like – you're ready to say I love you, but like the other, like, or if you say it and like it has like negative feedback, she kind of like goes like, eh, like, yeah, you're a good guy too. Like you're not friend zone, but like it's that awkward, just that awkward encounter. That's how I feel like the relationship between like John Gruden and Derek Carr is. Like Derek Carr is like fully committed. Meanwhile, John Gruden has commitment issues. Yeah, I mean everything that you heard, all the rumors was that he can't stand him. He can't. He he wants to move on from him. And I think Gruden's kind of one of those guys, like, he kind of wants his guy. It's kind of like when a new GM comes in, they want yeah. their coach. They want, and if they're going to sink or swim, it's going to be on, you know, it's going to be because of their decisions, not, you know, riding with somebody that was placed before them. I thought, I thought Carr had an admirable year, especially, you know, if you consider if it's true that, you know, his coach has it out for him and maybe that was a chip on his shoulder. Uh, but, that, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity this year, and, you know, we'll see what happens. 100%. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think this is the year really where it's the make-or-break year for Derek Carr, as in if he'll be a Las Vegas Raider going forward, because obviously this year more than likely they will have fans in the stands. But the big question, too, with the Raiders, and i got to say it's still their defense because they do have some young pieces, but they did obviously fire Paul Gunther, which – I get, but you do not fire a coordinator when you have a short week. Like, I remember they fired him after the Colts game, but then they had a game on Thursday against the Los Angeles Chargers that last Thursday night of the year, which I'm like, you do it. You should have waited and done it after that Charger game because you have, like, a nine-day break in between games. So, you have time to do that. Meanwhile, they threw Rod Marinelli into the fire and just expected him, hey, you have three days to learn this defense and get these guys under your wing. Meanwhile, now they bring in Gus Bradley from the Chargers. So, We'll see how it goes, but if they don't make any significant moves, I wouldn't be shocked if they're in that eight and eight to like nine and seven purgatory again. And I only say purgatory because look at what the Chicago Bears have been the last couple of years. You don't want to be in that eight and eight constant because you're not bad enough to tank, but you're also not good enough to be a playoff team. Yeah, definitely. They're um, speaking the Bears. You know they've got pieces there. Um, they just you know they really need a quarterback and. I'm surprised that they, you know, if there was a team that was going to, you know, dish out, obviously interdivision trades rarely ever like pay off. So I are pan out or come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so I didn't expect like Stafford to, 
you know, land there by any means, but I thought that they would be bigger players in the Deshaun Watson market, and you really haven't heard too much about that. That's kind of like getting, uh, that's kind of like getting the set, like, I don't like using this term, but some people do the whole sloppy seconds thing. That's what I feel like them getting Deshaun Watson's like, because the fan base is going to be happy they got him, but at the same time, too, they're going to be like, we gave up all this to get him. We could have had him for nothing four years ago. Now we got Deshaun Watson. Like, I'm not saying it in the sense of like, oh, it's bad for them. Obviously, it'd be great for the Bears organization. Because if you look at their team in the last few years, you know that dragon meme, like where it's like the three headed dragon? Yep. That's the Chicago Bears, where you have like the scary dragon, which is like the defense, the one that lets well, like whatever, which is your special teams. And then you have the dragon that looks like a complete idiot. That's your offense. So that's like, I was literally listening to Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio today. And that's exactly when they were describing the Bears. I'm like, yeah, that's the three-headed dragon that everyone uses to make fun of people. I'm like, that's the Chicago Bears. 100%. And I was just looking like where they're drafting this year. And it's not so far-fetched anymore to think that a rookie quarterback can't come in um, to a situation. I know they've had some struggles along the offensive line a little bit, but it's not far-fetched like it used to be. Like These quarterbacks are coming in so much more prepared than ever. So I really do think that, you know, you these guys can plug and play, like, right away. It just, you know, it's, again, it's about the situation that they're coming into more so than almost anything. And I think, you know, with regards to the Bears, maybe they explore free agency a little bit. But, yeah, they're, I, I would just hate to see, you know, they went all in, you know, for uh, Cleo Mack. I would just, you know, I'd hate to see uh, – I just know if I was a Bears fan, I'd hate to see all that just go to waste. Exactly, because it's like, look, you tra- you got Khalil Mack. He's a great defensive player. And then you traded all that away. Now you're trading away more draft capital for a quarterback now, which I'm looking at Deshaun Watson. I'm saying, like, does he have the weapons around him to be a sol- not a solidified contender in the NFC North, but in the NFC as a whole? That's the million-dollar question with the Bears. But also, that would be a team where I honestly would not be shocked if they were the team to reach for Mac Jones. Yeah, I could see that. I just, I think about, and I could be definitely wrong on this. I just, those Alabama quarterbacks, by and large, don't seem to pan out. And, you know, it it just, it's unfair because we don't know. But when you're throwing consistently to three or four first-round picks, you have an offensive line that's all, you know, top two or three rounds. You've and got studs for running backs. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's unfair, but at the same time, that's that's just kind of the stigma that comes with it. And until then, I mean, and I know too. There's you know, there's a little bit of like character concerns. He got in trouble kind of earlier in his college career and that kind of thing. So I know I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of a guy that slips. Although teams always seem to kind of. You know, it's funny. Quarterbacks are either reach for or they fall. There's kind of no in between. Exactly. Like, Mac's a guy where I wouldn't be shocked if someone were to reach for him on, like, in that later first round on Thursday. But more than realistically, I think he will go on the Friday, day two, like the second, third rounder, because he is a development project. Because a lot of the comparisons I've heard with him is, like, what Kirk Cousins was as a rookie. That's what kind of, like, I think his ceiling is. Yeah, exactly. I think that if they. If they can, if they can just find a guy to plug in there, I don't, I don't foresee that being like a terrible, 
I don't like. I mean, they'd be contenders for the North instantly, in my opinion. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind about it. I mean, you look at Green Bay. They're, you know, they're they're the front runners. But I think that Chicago, you know, with a quarterback, could give them a run for their money. And I guarantee you, they would look to add another weapon on offense. They'll get Cohen back. Um, I don't believe he's a free agent, so. Nobody was involved in those trade talks potentially with Carson Wentz, which if you're looking at that, like Bears fans will want Ryan Pace out of town if they gave up a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. Like Howie Roseman will look like a king in Philly, but I would not hold it above Ryan Pace to do something idiotic like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just so funny, right, with Wentz, because, I mean, he looked, you know, there's times in his career where he's looked elite. Yeah. And you wonder if a change of scenery, you know, is what the doctor ordered. Um, at the same time, could I risk giving up a first rounder? I don't think so. No, like if Wentz gets traded, like take us like, at worst case, just give up a second for him. Like, but in reality, it should be like, excuse me, reality. It should be like a third to fifth round pick you're giving up for him. It should not be a day one first rounder. If you're doing that. Like, look, I know going into this year, like, I was already planting the seeds on who's on the hot seat already. Bat Nagy and Ryan Pace are at the top of that list for coaches that probably could get fired at the end of 21. But the one thing I did learn, though, from a Bears fan, which I like, I, I have to get someone who's Bears knowledgeable on here just to see what they have to say. But I learned from a Bears fan, actually, Tommy, uh, friend of Picos, that the McC- like, uh, McCaskies and the Hallis family, they don't fire coaches or GMs during the regular season. It's either after the season or before the season. So, which I know is, a, a, is the same thing, but right now, we're at that after the season point. I don't think you can say before the season starts until probably around summertime. Yeah, I just, I can respect that because a lot of ownerships, you know, definitely don't fall under you know that category um but at the end of the day you know they're kind of a team that you know kind of and i keep coming back to like the rams trade with stafford but i just feel like you know if there was a team that should show urgency similar to that it's gotta it's gotta be them and i you know you know there's rumors of like the dolphins potentially seeing what tua what the market is for tua i Tua, I don't think Tua is definitely to me like a system quarterback. He's kind of a game manager. I, I don't think he's like a like an insane upgrade by any means. Over, he's an upgrade over Trubisky, I would say on paper right now, but not like enough that's going to like go from okay, we're seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven to you know a legitimate NFC contender. Exactly, because that's the best. Chicago's just so weird, but you got to respect it too, though, with the the whole McCaskey family. I only say McCaskey because it's obviously the daughter, George Hallis, who's in charge. But with the Miami Dolphins, like everyone's saying, like, oh, hey, go trade him. Like, he had a bad year. You got to remember, he's coming off that hip injury. Um, I like look at Tom Brady after his ACL. Oh, yeah. So, oh, he's the Patriot fan, goes to Tom Brady. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I'm always going to do it, no matter the episode. Um, 2008 tears his ACL. 2009, his year was okay. They lost in the wild card round to the Ravens. In 2010, he was the unanimous MVP of the league. I'm not saying Tua's going to come out and have this baller MVP season. Hey, he could, for all we know. Like, a lot of people are saying, we expect Justin Herbert to take a second-year leap. But, like, I'm just trying to figure out if Herbert can still play to the level of what he was as a rookie, the Chargers could make the playoffs. But if Tua elevates his game to where Flores can consistently rely on him, I don't see the problem. The only thing I would do if I'm the Miami Dolphins, get another pass catcher, which, you know what, go get Devontae Smith. 
played college ball too, so it makes perfect sense. And then the other thing you can do is uh, just beef up your offensive line and maybe add in a running back. Like Miles Gaskin's good, but if you can get someone in there, like go get like a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris, they're going to be a force in the AFC East and the AFC as a whole. I'm not saying Super Bowl contender, but they're going to be that team that teams don't want to go play, especially in that heat down in South Beach. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned Najee Harris, former Bama teammate. So you already know that they got a little bit of chemistry and they're comfortable exactly. playing together. And Najee is one of the, I mean, I, I struggle to recall a more all around back. Some of the catches he made were like, he's got wide receiver hands and that is yeah. so dangerous in the NFL. I mean, you're, I think you're starting to see more the NFL by and large, more and more starting to mimic the college game a little bit. Like, you know, you're, you're seeing more of the RPOs, you're seeing more of the spread, you're seeing more of the motion, you know, the motion of guys. So guys like Najee, Najee Harris is, he, I'm high on him. He is, he's the real deal. And I, that'd be, that'd be another good fit down there for sure. He's just that ground and pound running back, but guess what? He can catch out of the backfield too. So you can always interchange him and Gaskin, like whether, it's there. Um, Miami's just got the big question of a lot of people say like, oh, they're overrated or whatever. I'm like, look, if you give two a full season and also two, here's the big key, a proper off season. Obviously, I still think it's going to be restrictive, but with the way, obviously, the COVID vaccine situation is way better in the United States than it is up here in Canada. At certain points, like, look, once I appreciate the NFL is going to try to get as many players vaccinated this off season as possible so that they can have a proper off season. Like because last year, he didn't get a rookie mini camp. Even, too, going back to the box, I believe it was Cameron Braid who said their first full-team practice together was August 14th, which most times that's May 14th. So that's an additional 90 days you didn't get to play with your teammates. Now, obviously, you do off-field workouts and stuff, but if you give a lot of these players who didn't get it proper off-season, if you give them a proper off-season, there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to be ready to go come September 12th. Um, the only other thing I want to say before I throw back to Joe is uh, – Cleveland went through the same thing too. Like that's why they got smoked week one against Baltimore because they were like, "Yeah, we only had a few weeks to get to know everyone because they're going through a new head coach." So we'll see what happens, but hopefully the NFL can get a proper off season in. And yeah, I'm just gonna go back to you. I have something else I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it later. Yeah, no, I think that's huge, and that's why I wasn't I wasn't too quick to judge a lot of the rookies. Of course, everybody looked at Herbert, you know, and his early success, but you know coming out if not for that freak injury to uh Tyrod Taylor you know who knows if we even see Herbert this year I mean I get you know we definitely would have at some point given where that team was going I'm guessing they would have thrown him in just to kind of see what he does or would do but yeah that's you know that's a great point and a lot of these rookies that you know just completed their first season they're you know they're still you know they haven't gotten that full mini camp and I did read there was a rumor that they were going to allow last year's rookies to partake in a rookie mini camp as long as everything goes according to plan. So that'll be something to watch out for. So, yeah, like obviously they canceled stuff like the combine, but that's understandable. You can do pro days at the local universities where you only send select personnel and stuff. Because if you did the combine, you're honestly, this is going to sound bad, but I feel like you're almost asking for COVID to be a problem just because when you have that many people gathering, in like that much space because you have not only because I think I've talked to you about this before. I've talked to other people about this that the co that the combine usually is a big stage for free agency as well. Something that goes unnoticed by the casual fan. A lot of people think it's just there to show for talent or whatnot, but that's where a lot of free agency talks get going. That's why agents go there and they'll be like, "Hey, so uh, 
what teams are interested in my guy? But um, that I didn't know about that note, but that's a very good point to it's add on. It's definitely like whole, comparable. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was the only thing I was going to say is, oh, look, you, you can do the off days, but the fact that the rook, that second year players will be able to attend rookie camp, I think, will be huge for a lot of players' developments, especially for those rookies who, you know what, maybe took a little bit of a while to get going, kind of like guys like a Michael Pittman Jr. Or even to like the undrafted guys who never really got a chance to showcase their talents like they would have had in a normal NFL offseason. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not like, I haven't done the full combine weekend, but it's basically like a big party. And it's kind of, I compare it to, I mean, in, I'm only like four hours from Indy. It's always something I've wanted to do. I know a lot of people that like to like chase autographs and that kind of thing because all the GMs are there, all the coaches are there. A lot of Hall of Famers come down and like kind of give their two cents. And so Indy, Indy's kind of, this, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, but Indy is like one of the most underrated cities in the United States. Everything is super walkable. I think it would be, if it wasn't for the cold Midwest weather, I think it would be like a really like, I think it would do well for like mania season, totally different topic, I know. Um, but yeah, I compare, I compare the combine almost to like the winter meetings of baseball. And like you said, that's where a lot of the GMs, a lot of the coaches kind of mesh. They all meet at like the big baller steakhouses that are right downtown, um, next to the old, uh, it's not called that anymore, but the Conseco field house, the RC dome, all that stuff, bunch of hotels, bunch of cool steakhouses. Like it's, it's cool, but yeah, they're, uh, I, I definitely want to get to that one time and, yeah, maybe maybe if you're available in the future, we can hit that up together. Obviously, because to be honest, out of all NFL events, like a lot, a lot of people will say, I'd love to get credential to the Super Bowl. I honestly would love to get a credential for the Combine as a media thing to interview these prospects and stuff like that. Because that's the other thing too. Like teams have full suites at the Combine. Like they're that's where a lot of the interviews take place. And now you have like the whole Zoom stuff. Like now, you could have an interaction like you and me, and where it's like, hey, you want to see me bench like a uh, thirty reps of like two hundred twenty five pounds. But now that's why you get the pro days and stuff. And even to, I just want to go back to the Clemson. I want to, because Clemson had theirs already, obviously, because of Trevor Lawrence and his uh, surgery, which was completed today successful. I think today or yesterday, which, but it was a successful operation. Um, yep. The big thing with uh, his pro day where everyone's saying, like, all these teams are going there. And, like, I saw the Patriots name in there. And everyone's like, oh, why are they going there? They have no chance to do with them. It's like there's other players to look at. Obviously, he's the main attraction. But you have guys like Amari Rodgers, Travis Etienne. Uh, other Clemson players, I'm trying. I'm not 100 percent sure off the top of my head who's who's declared and who's staying, but it's not just about Lawrence. Obviously, he's the main attraction, the big ticket. But that's the other thing with pro days too. A lot of people got to remember it's not just about the big name guys. Like there's other guys too who day two and day three guys are mean a lot to teams. Like that's why Bell. I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent here because Bill Belichick obviously gets a lot of flack for his day one drafting not being the best when it comes to like offensively. You look at the man's draft, drafting abilities day two and day three, that's why he's been able to build a winner because he goes and gets those late-round picks who are able to prove himself. Yeah, definitely. And I heard from somebody who's pretty well-connected with within like NFL, NFL media. Apparently, like if you could go into a war room, they don't argue so much about day, the day one picks. It's the day two and especially the day three where there's yeah. the most disagreement and the most heated battles because scouts are so adamant. Like we need to go get this guy. He's still available. Like I know he can, he'll help us. And I, that's, it's just crazy. And like you said, you know, the senior bowl, the pro days, that's all that, I mean, that means so much more for 
the kind of the under the radar guys. Exactly. Um, I'm just I'm moving off shoulder because I've started reading this book that I got for Christmas. I don't have like the uh, flap for it because I'm not in my house right now. But the dy- this book right here is called The Dynasty. I think you can guess what it's about. It's it's just the hardcover, but I'm going to see if there's – let's see here. If there any... No, there is no pictures related to the team, but this book has to do everything with Robert Kraft by the New England Patriots. I'm already – I'm not much of a reader, but I am already done 109 pages, and I started this book last week. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like a 500-plus page book. Um, and it shows – like there, there was an article back in the 90s about like – Oh, like, obviously the day one, guys, there's some arguments that there's a disagreement where it's like, hey, we should go player A or player B. But you're right. Day two and day three is where, like, shit gets real. It's like where you know where it's like, hey, this guy's still on the board. Or, hey, I, this is like the guys, like, you're sleeping on. It's like with fantasy football how everyone thinks, hey, I got a great round one draft pick. Guess what? The guy who you got in, like, the ninth or tenth round of a fantasy football draft can help you win a championship. It's the exact same thing for the NFL. Only we stress a lot about fantasy football. But our life's not impacted if we win some money or not. Meanwhile, you screw up on a day two or day three pick, it could potentially be your job on the line. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, that's definitely something that I've realized, like, over the years. Like, you look back at the end of the season, or at least I do, look back at the end of the season or even midseason, and I look back and I say, dang, like, I got him that late. I don't even remember that. Or, oh, that guy fell that far and I didn't hit on him. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. I It's where it's truly where you separate yourself um, from the pack is those later rounds. And then, of course, you know, free agent acquisitions, et cetera. Exactly. That's like why I say Bell Belichick's so good at drafting where because everyone's like, oh, day one or whatever. It's no, it's day two and day three is where he always finds those hidden gems. Like this year, Kyle Duggar is like one of those guys where it's like, who or why did you draft him? Like even two. I got someone told me like, oh, like you only drafted him because Xavier McKinney went right before where I'm like, you know what? That could be true. But look at the difference. Xavier McKinney was hurt for a lot of the year, which obviously you can't control that. But Kyle Duggar came in and played a very active role with the Patriots. Even too, you're going to know this. Michael Owenu, sixth round pick offensive lineman, first team all rookie. Something about six rounders in New England yeah. Patriots from and Michigan. I mean, a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and, um, you know, with being as unbiased as possible, and I saw, I mean, what did he rated like second? Second best offensive line, rookie offensive lineman, only behind Worfs, who didn't allow a sack as a left tackle. I mean, yeah, you by far and away the best interior lineman in the draft uh, as a rookie. So, um, yeah, I, I was kind of baffled that he fell that far. Of course, I got to see him, you know, week or this year it wasn't at, or the prior year, uh, you know, when we had a full season. You know, I got I got to see him every you know every week. And, yeah. you know, it's just the coaches praise I watch all the Michigan pressers Monday, Wednesday, Friday, leading up to the new week. And I, he was just praised so much. And, yeah, it's just great to see it translate in the league. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask you about the draft, actually, since we're on the Michigan note. Obviously, there's some guys like uh, Kowiti Pope or Quitty Payne, I think is the guy's name. Um, but he's probably going to go yeah, to round one Quitty or round Pay. two. Quitty Pay. Mm-hmm. Who's a Michigan player that could go later on that's kind of underrated at the moment that you like you think could be a very good player in the NFL? They don't – so it's kind of a weird year for them as far as, like, the draft goes because, you know, Quiddy Pace kind of highly touted. Uh, Nico Collins, who sat out this year, um, he was a 
borderline five-star uh, wide receiver coming in. He's not a burner by any means, but he's kind of, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, uh, he can go go get contested catches. Uh, he led the last two years in draw, that he played drawing um, pass interference and holdings. Uh, so he's definitely like somebody that's, um, I'm super intrigued to see where he goes and how he fits in. And you see wide receivers a lot. They used to say, oh, you know, you got to give wide receivers two or three years. But that's another position just with all the camps, all the drills, all the seven on sevens. You see wide receivers, they're able to come in and play right away too and make an impact. We saw that this year. And this was a loaded rookie wide receiver class. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of some guys that, you know, it's tough because I – they don't have a whole lot of guys. They were super young, so they don't have a whole lot of guys coming out. I, Ambry Thomas, he was a corner for Michigan. He he's another one who sat out. He's he's probably going to be a, he'll definitely be day two or day three, maybe even a day three. He's a little bit undersized, but he's quick. Um, so keep an eye out for him. He'll be a nickel corner, kind of like a Jordan Lewis type, um, who hasn't had a ton of success in Dallas, but he's hung on long enough. So. Those are just a few of the names that kind of come to mind. Exactly, because everyone realizes, like, oh, hey, like, oh, like, we want this player. The one thing I do want to say about people who are going for the NFL this year who opted out, obviously, because of COVID, I wouldn't be shocked, like, if you see – I'm sorry, excuse me a sec. But um, you obviously have the rare cases where guys, like, opted out, so there's a lot of, like – you haven't played in a while, so we want to see how they do. Because, like, I got to wonder if that's going to affect guys like Jamar Chase or Micah Parsons where – they didn't get a 2020, so they kind of go on that Jake Fromm, like how Jake Fromm had a great 2017, but then 2018 and 19, he was quiet. That's why he ended up going, I think, in the fifth round or something like that. So it's just something uh, something to watch out for. Like I'm sure they're going to be fine in the league. It's just that's something I think to keep in the back of your like in the back of scouts' heads as they head into draft season. Yeah, I think you know all the mocks that I've looked at. You know, Jamar Chase has been top five, if not for sure, top ten. I think people recognize that the talent for sure. Yeah. And yeah, there, you know, but there's been, a, there was, a, like you mentioned, there was a ton of guys who sat out and I, you know, a lot of them got to part still participate in the senior bowl. A lot of them, you know, are participating in their school's pro day. So, you know, it, and if they fall, they, it's just one of those things where it, I, NFL just seems to be so much about the right situation versus the talent. I mean, at the end of the day, I do think, you know, talent shines through, but a lot of guys, you know, uh, then, you know, confidence becomes an issue, right? Like if you're not starting, if you don't, if you're just not clicking in a system where people thought you would, and then, you know, you start to, you know, kind of get down on yourself. You see that a lot. And then, you you know, that's why some of these rook- these guys that get out of their rookie deal, they go somewhere else, they succeed. It's just, yeah, NFL is so much about matchups and, and about fit. So what you're saying is Mitch Trubisky is going to go to another team and just light it up and become the MVP for 2021. <laughs> no, but maybe Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, obviously we joke that's about that's Mitch that's Trubisky. a better chance anyways. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to say something about Mitch Trubisky quickly. I love everyone who goes, oh, you could have had Patrick Mahomes. I'm like four years ago, I don't think anybody really knew except for a select few of what Mahomes was probably, not probably what he was capable of. Obviously passing on Deshaun Watson looks silly. But I just want to add that in for everyone like that's saying, like, oh, why didn't you draft Mahomes? It's like, I don't think four years ago everyone was going like, oh, Mahomes is going to be this. It's not like when Connor McDavid was coming out of the OHL, going into the NHL, where everyone knew this guy's going to be a solidified superstar, has potential to be one of the best of all time. 
even though right now he's sucking that Mike Trout purgatory, which going on a hockey note, what I mean by that is great player, but he's on a shitty team. Uh, meanwhile, with uh, Mahomes, I feel like in 2017 when he was drafted, you didn't exactly think, hey, this guy's going to win a Super Bowl in his first, in his second year starting. He's going to be the MVP in his first year starting, and he's going to go to two Super Bowls in his first three years where, guess what, his only two losses were to Tom Brady. So that's just something to watch out for. I'm not saying Mahomes is bad. I'm just saying for anyone saying, like, oh, why didn't the Bears take him or why didn't the Browns take him? Why did they take Miles Garrett? But that's just something I wanted to point out quickly. Was that That's just my little Mahomes thing for the day. Yeah, definitely. And with regards to Mahomes, I recall him definitely being like an intriguing prospect, but kind of the same reasons that we talked about with Mac Jones earlier, coming from that Texas Tech air raid offense, that guys who were just looking at stats, um, you know, the stats were always padded and I'm drawing a blank on who came before him. Um, Was it like Graham Harrell and guys like that were that just had like insane numbers and it, obviously, it doesn't always translate, but that's, you know, I mean, you got to watch the tape at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly, because look at a lot of those Big 12 schools. Like, the Big 12 does not know how to play defense. Obviously, Oklahoma's defense is getting better, but that's just something to watch out for, too, with, like when it comes to quarterbacks in the Big 12. Like, obviously, too, I've been skeptical of Mac Jones just because of the whole Alabama trends. Like, if you look at it, too, Mac wasn't even uh, supposed to be their guy. He was the bridge quarterback because they got Bryce Young coming in this year who's supposed to be a stud. So, we'll see what happens, yep. but... That's the one thing with Alabama, too, that's just like, hey, these guys just won a national championship on real roster. Guess what? Apparently one of the best college recruiting classes of all time is coming in for 2021, which is just insane to me. Yeah, they just, no pun intended, but they just keep it rolling down there. Exactly. Just roll, tide, roll all day long. Um, but before we go, I think, uh, what I was going to say, Joe, is we're just over the hour mark now. Is there anything else you want to touch upon or talk about? Uh, no, I think we I think we've plowed the ground pretty thoroughly tonight and uh, always great to be on and I enjoy doing this and can't wait to be back. Love to hear it. Well, anyway, guys, thank this is episode 65 in the books. Um, I got some stuff planned. Joe's going to be back on, obviously, before the draft uh, when pro days are going on, free agency, all that stuff. We'll get him back in here. But anyway, guys, like I said, thanks for stopping by if you stop by. But also, do thanks for listening to episode 65 of YWC Football Talk. I will be back next week, probably Monday or Tuesday, with a brand new episode. So stay tuned for that, guys. And enjoy the rest of your day, guys. And we'll see what happens with this offseason. It's going to be a crazy carousel. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. 
The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.